Hi, welcome to TNL. Um, I'm so glad that you guys are with us tonight. Week two of our two-part series on the Sabbath. Last week, our friend Brian Gray, who used to be a pastor at TNL a very long time ago, did an excellent job taking us through the history and theology of keeping the Sabbath. Before we get started, I do need to confess something. I don't Sabbath. So now I don't blame you if you're scratching your heads and wondering, why are you teaching? It's a great question. A fantastic one, in fact. (laughs) The short answer is that God is just kind of funny like that. So... A few months ago, I was looking at the teaching schedule and the upcoming series, and I saw that the summer series was on Sabbath. I laughed when I saw the title, Sabbath as Delight, and I thought, thank God I'm not teaching that one. (laughs) Fast forward to a nudge from God to Phil, followed by an email to me from Phil, not God. Here we are. Another side note, one book that I read in preparation for this talk was Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest by Ruth Haley Barton. A lot of her thoughts have influenced this talk, so I highly recommend that as a resource as you begin to think and pray about what Sabbath could look like for you. Last confession. This year has not felt at all like a year of joy or delight. There have been moments of happiness, but grief feels like a heavy blanket over my life. How do I create a joyful rhythm of Sabbath keeping if I'm struggling to just show up, maintain relationships, step out into the world, or even get out of bed? I think God knew I needed to dig into this for my own sake just as much as for our community's sake. So, I have never practiced Sabbath. I mean, I grew up, Sundays were a separate thing. We went to church, but it was never even said that we were doing Sabbath. Um, And anymore, I feel like Sundays don't feel different, minus you can't get Chick-fil-A which is when I always want it. (laughs) So I want to clarify, I don't even think I could have told you what Sabbath or joy in Sabbath even meant. And when I use the word joy, that is synonymous for me with happiness, pleasure, delight. None of that joy versus happiness, hair splitting. Okay? It's all the same. I've never been opposed to the idea of keeping Sabbath, but it's never captured me either. I knew it was the fourth commandment of the 10 commandments. So it's kind of important because Jesus didn't come to overthrow the law, but to reveal the true heart of it. The 10 commandments are the heart of a fully human existence in relationship with God. So why the apathy? If ceasing from our work is so important, why do so many of us 
resist or ignore this invitation? What else do we need to hear about Sabbath that will actually convince us to participate in it? How might our lives change for the better if we actually accept God's good gift of Sabbath? I invite you to come along with me as I talk through my process because I have not yet implemented a Sabbath keeping rhythm, but the spirit is stirring up a longing in me to enter into the gift of Sabbath as joy. My hope is that after tonight, we can all shift from Sabbath indifference to Sabbath excitement. I want us to be a community that is formed by the Sabbath. Let's rewind. Especially if you missed Brian's talk last week. I feel like he set the stage pretty well. Sabbath is not man-made. So that's the first thing you need to know. It's a rhythm created by God for people at the very beginning of time. In Genesis 1, just like the song that we just sang, thanks Matt, it says, God looked over everything he had made. It was so good, so very good. In verse 31, the Hebrew word for behold, hene, is used by the author to bring us into this surprise or satisfaction of the speaker, which in this case is God. Behold, it was so good. On the last day, God ceased creating and took pleasure in what was created. Our God, who had no need to work or create in the first place, also had no need to rest, aside from his own desire to do so. God sat back, filled with satisfaction, rested happily, and dwelled with creation. God invites us to enter into God's own happiness. This is Sabbath as delight. The one thing this kind of brought to mind for me as a mom is carrying and laboring to bring my baby into this world and then getting to hold her so close and gaze at her in pure joy and amazement. That's Sabbath. Sabbath is a good gift from our good God, not a heavy burden from an oppressive one. So what do we do with gifts, good gifts? We accept, we enjoy, we share. But what if you chose or created the perfect gift for somebody that you love and they chose not to open it. They simply set it aside, admired its beauty in the wrapping, <laughs> and occasionally thought about it. It's pretty unfulfilling. The enjoyment comes in opening the present, experiencing the gift as you intended. Their joy makes your joy complete. Otherwise, it's pretty anticlimactic. 
But here God has lovingly created this gift with our ultimate good and blessing in mind. We don't need to make Sabbath holy. He already did that. We keep it. We unwrap the bag. We step into the holy time that God has already created. Only we don't. I would guess that the resistance that stirs up in me might be similar to some of your own. Rest and ceasing sound amazing, but how? How do I add another thing to my chaotic, color-coded Google Calendar? What if I'm a mom with three kids and two dogs and a husband? and deciding to go back to school, pursuing a college degree. (laughs) Where do I find the time? What if I'm the primary emotional laborer for my family? How do I find rest or joy when my heart is overwhelmed with sorrow? What about single parents? What about those living in poverty, catching every shift to keep food on the table? At best, Sabbath feels like a luxury. At worst, another responsibility to manage. So we give Sabbath a, wouldn't that be nice? Keep on hustling, leaving it unopened and unenjoyed. Sabbath is a means of grace for all living things. So our concerns, which are very valid, only point to the bondage our current culture holds us in. God's delight on the seventh day of creation was not naive or blind to the fact that humans would choose their own way over his, ultimately bringing death upon creation. God's not surprised by our attempt at autonomy. He knew where the story was going. God knew we would need the movement back and forth between work and rest even more once his presence with us was veiled by our sin. God's knowledge of future pain and brokenness did not prevent his satisfaction with his good and beautiful design. When we allow ourselves to enter into the time of connection and rest with God, the brokenness of the world and the grief in our lives cannot overshadow the goodness. God offers another kind of rest, bringing comfort and meaning to our suffering. Often I don't think I realize how exhausted I am and volatile (laughs) from holding so much in. Maybe God needs us to hear that during seasons of exhaustion and upheaval, when all of life is lent, we should take up the practice of intentionally embracing enjoyment. All of us know what it's like to be at the end of that rope. But God wants good things for us. In the words of Ruth Barton from her book, the fact that the God of the universe 
who is infinite in time, space, and energy, chose to cease usual labor on the seventh day, not because of exhaustion, but because the rhythm itself is simply good, offers a beacon of hope for us all. It's a manifestation of God's innate goodness that is oh so good for us. She also explains creation as a life-quickening inhale and Sabbath as the life-giving exhale. God breathes his life into us through our ceasing. Real quick, I want to look at some words of Jesus' BFF Peter found in the book of 2 Peter. He's not writing specifically about Sabbath, but the life of a Christian in general, which now we know God designed the Christian life to observe the rhythm of work and rest. So there's a lot of overlap here. Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Then learn to know him better and better. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for a truly good life. He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings he promised. For instance, the promise to save us from the lust and rottenness all around us and to give us his own character. It's the blessing and connection, connection of keeping the Sabbath of entering into God's sanctuary in time that actually brings meaning and joy into our lives. It's an avenue of grace that God uses to impart his own character to us. We then reflect God out into the world around us. Let's keep reading. But to obtain these gifts, you need more than faith. You must also work hard to be good. Even that's not enough. For then you must learn to know God better and discover what he wants you to do. Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly, gladly letting God have his way. This will make possible the next step, which is for you to enjoy other people and to like them. Novel idea. And finally, you will grow to love them deeply. The more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. This can feel like a long spiritual checklist, I know. And I don't mean for it to. The main point that I want you to hear in these words is that we do not passively become more like God. We have to actively pursue it, especially because we live in a culture that keeps us overpowered, burdened, oppressed by a system of endless production. We are what we do. And Sabbath keeping doesn't rule over us in this same way but it's an opportunity for us to refill on the goodness of God and then pour it back into the world. The fruit that comes from our intentionality feels exactly 
like what our world and our culture desperately need. God's goodness, wisdom, kindness, and love. Sabbath is the gift from God that we need to aid us in our pursuit. And what if I told you Sabbath is where earth and divine overlap? Again, like a sanctuary in time. The place where we enter into God's intentional dwelling with us. And what if I told you Without this gift, we slowly die. First, we stop bearing fruit of any kind, and eventually we wither away completely. All living things need Sabbath. It's the pattern of creation. Animals hibernate. Trees and flowers lie dormant. Fish brumate, if you didn't know that word. Mike probably knew that word. (laughs) Fish brumate under frozen water where there's hardly any oxygen. Rest is not a privilege or a luxury. Rest is a lifeline. So now what? I could give you a list. I had started a list of all the tangible things you could do to practice and prepare for Sabbath, but I scrapped that. If you missed last week, start by going to our website and find Brian Gray's talk. He did such a good job of going about the thought process and the questions to ask, the tangible preparations, or check out Ruth Barton's book, the one that I keep quoting. Instead, I want to close with two suggestions. Adjust expectations and don't Sabbath alone. I can already see my downfall in forming this new practice. The problem will be with my expectations. For a perfectly relaxing day, no responsibilities, no interruptions, reading or napping to my fill, maybe eating from a giant charcuterie, or tub of ice cream, maybe spending time with friends, sounds magical, but far from realistic. Remember, three kids, two dogs, husband, school, all the things, at least in its entirety. It doesn't mean we can't have some of those, but the more that I can let go of the idea of Sabbath as a reward, or self-care, the more I hope that I can receive from God the rest that I actually need, the rest that will sustain me. Because let's be real, kids and rest really don't go hand in hand. (laughs) What if instead we look for ways to create a day for being, with the intention of being present to family, to self, to God, This feels like it could be obtainable, attainable, both. (laughs) Start by asking, how can I be more present? What are the individual needs for myself or others that can be attended to 
during Sabbath, but what are the easiest ways to spend time together with others? How can our pace be slower? Lastly, don't Sabbath alone. God rested with creation. God gave the Ten Commandments to his people as an entire nation living together in the wilderness. As Ruth Barton writes, Sabbath brings us home to our lives as they have been given to us by God, inviting us to inhabit more fully and freely our real lives in a particular geographical location with particular people. Sabbath is, by design, meant to be lived out with others. It's a practice to be done with others. Those that are in the midst of our real lives, maybe the people on our street, maybe the people in this room. This doesn't mean that Sabbath needs to be big or complicated. If you're an introvert or you live alone, this might look like an intentional phone call with one trusted person. Maybe it's inviting another family over to have pizza on Friday night. No cooking required, unless you're Nate and you make all the best pizzas. <laughs> Whatever it is, don't let the work of preparation fall on one person's shoulder. Choose activities, plan meals ahead of time, set the plans, the dates before Sabbath starts. Everyone chips in somehow. And stay sensitive to the people in our community who might need to be invited in. The gift of Sabbath is for all people. One last quote from our friend Ruth. When we practice ceasing in the way God intends, we touch the very ground of our being. We experience ourselves to be creatures in the presence of our creator, beloved children who are cared for and loved as human beings rather than human doings. We begin to actually feel the love our heavenly parent has for us beyond what we can produce or accomplish. So let's do it. Start somewhere. Start with something. Let's be willing to experiment. And as we go tonight, I want you to commit to talking with at least one person in this room or around TNL. Share the resistance or concerns that keep you from practicing Sabbath. Sometimes just saying them out loud takes away their power. Share the things that bring you joy and delight that you want to be more intentional about. And dream out loud about the ways to accept God's good gift together. I'm going to pray for us real quick. Dear God, thank you for knowing what we would need before we had even messed it all up. Sabbath was a gift, whether we made the right choice or the wrong choice. You give us the model 
peace and satisfaction savoring in our good work together with people that we love. I pray that we would be a community that can invite people into a rhythm of Sabbath, that together we can enjoy meals, have communion, pray together, play together. May Sabbath transform us into the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.